0: Uh, we're going to dive into the book of Colossians today. If you have your Bibles, that is wonderful. We're going to be in the first chapter um, of the book of Colossians. Um, if you do not have your Bible today, that's completely fine. We'll have it on the screen for you. You can open up an app on your phone. It doesn't bother us at all. But this book, this book of Colossians, it's structured uh, very closely and similar to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians was my favorite book that we've preached through. The series was called United. I'll never forget it. Uh, The book of Ephesians, if I ever go back and repeat a book that I've preached through before, that's going to be the first one, I'm pretty sure. I loved preaching through that book. And one of the main truths that we would highlight when we were going through that series in the book of Ephesians was that in the book of Ephesians, it was six chapters long. And for the first three chapters of the book of of Ephesians, Paul laid a theological groundwork for this is who you are in Christ. This is who you're supposed to be. Here's all the theology behind who you are and where you stand in Christ. And he did it for three chapters. And then he took chapters 4, 5, and 6. And he spoke about how to practically live that out to the church at Ephesus. This is how you, this is how you become a, a good employee. This is how you're a good employer. Uh, Ephesians 5, this is how you're a good husband. This is how you're a good wife. This is how you're feeling like he practically lived it out so The principle, the overarching principle there for the book of Ephesians was that we need to understand who we are and the theology behind what God has done for us before we try to live the life that's expected of us. We need to know who we are before we do. And so similarly here in the book of Colossians, it's four chapters long, the first two chapters, we're going to spend digging into some theology, which by the way, should be a good thing for us and is a good thing for us. We're going to drive home some theological truths about our standing in Christ. And in the second half of the book in chapters 3 and 4, we're going to give practical applications. How to live out those truths in our daily lives. That is the theme of not only the book of Ephesians, but this book here in Colossians. We must understand this, and this is extremely important for us to understand. The main purpose of this letter... To the church at Colossae is to address heresy and false teaching. Okay? I want everyone to understand this because more so than in Ephesians, Colossians, the the overarching purpose is that there were heresy, false teaching, multiple false teachings that were creeping into the church. And so the purpose of this letter is to address that um, and to give the answer, which Newsflash and spoiler alert is in the title of the series, that Jesus is enough. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, would you follow along with me? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Aren't you glad and thankful for that hope? Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Uh, The belief there is Epaphras was the pastor of this church. Verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing to him. And that should be our heart's desire, shouldn't it? Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. giving thanks, to the, just listen, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Boy, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. I was speaking to a pastor friend of mine this week about starting this book. He is in this book a couple of chapters deep. And he said, what's your first... A sermon, I said, I'm going to cover the first 14 verses, and he started laughing. And, uh, <laughs> and so, um, but I do want to jump in and get into the meat of the series quickly. We will refer back to these first 14 verses periodically throughout the series. I'm not going to spend a ton of time today picking apart these verses, um, but we will return to these verses. By the way, I don't know about you. I love the book of Mark. I enjoyed learning about Jesus and the dirt roads that he walked on, but I'm looking forward to a letter to a church. Here was the issue, church. This is what you do to fix it. This is what you're supposed to do. I'm looking forward to that. I don't know about you. Can we pray together? And then we're going to jump right in to our sermon today. Heavenly Father, we sure love you. God, we thank you so much for loving us and for... The privilege that it is to come together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. The privilege that it is to worship you together. God, I think of those today over in Europe and and, and the Ukraine and Poland and other places, Romania, that today are, 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 are feeling the pressure of everything going on around them. God, I thank you today that we can come before you in freedom. Jesus, we love you. We pray that you be lifted up and lifted high in our midst this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's look briefly at the beginning here of Paul's credentials and the background. Paul's credentials and the background. Look what he says in the first three verses. He was apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Timothy, our brother to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace. From God our Father, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. The introduction is, by the way, I'm trying to get our um, AC up a little bit. Is that right? Is it a little warmish in here to y'all? All All right, cool. We're working on that real quick. We'll see how this goes. I'm working on it. Live stream, that's what we do, man. Um, How about this? I'm just going to walk over here and do it. I'm supposed to be able to do it from my phone. Man, it's 70. That should be good. We're going to bump it to 68. How about that? And we're going to hold it till 1215. Done. All right, cool. Y'all hear it? Kicked on. All right. Thank the Lord for air conditioning all across our building. Praise the Lord. And heat, oh, it's all good. All right, here we go. Paul's credentials and background. This letter was obviously written by Paul. Uh, if you notice here in the first verse, there was the assistance of, of Timothy. He says in Timothy, as we all know, Timothy would be uh, one of Paul's uh, sons in the faith, if you want to call it that, or an apprentice, if you want to call uh, use that word, um, of the Apostle Paul. And so Timothy assisted in the writing of this book. The book of Colossians here is uh, one of the four prison epistles. Okay, The other prison epistles will be Philippians, Ephesians, as we already mentioned, and Philemon. Uh, Paul wrote these while uh, I firmly believe this, and, and 90% of of scholars would agree that this was when Paul was imprisoned in Rome, um, technically just on house arrest, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, this was after Paul's third missionary journey. He went on, he went on his first, second, third missionary journeys, um, and then he was imprisoned around A.D. 62 uh, there in Rome. If you want to look this up chronologically in your Bible, this happens around Acts chapter 28. So if you want to chronologically see that, make a note. Acts 28 is where uh, we believe that this letter was penned, okay? Most of us will be familiar with Paul. We know of Paul's commitment to the Jewish religion. You remember Paul was a devout Jew, and when Jesus came in and he preached this truth, uh, or, or what Jesus said was truth, uh, that he was the Messiah, Paul didn't believe it, he rejected it, to the point that anyone who followed Christ was Paul's enemy. And Paul was at the feet of Stephen when they stoned Stephen and he died. Uh, Paul was on his way on the Damascus road, he was on his way to execute more believers. When Jesus stepped into his life, his life was completely transformed and turned upside down on that road to Damascus and Jesus wrecked his life in a good way. And as a transformed man, after a few years of Paul growing in his faith, he takes three separate missionary journeys. He journeys uh, all over the, the kind of the European, Middle Eastern world, the Mediterranean world, you would say now maybe. The overarching purpose is planting churches. He would go to a city, he would preach Jesus, he would identify leaders, he would start churches, and then he would move to another city. As you can imagine, some of those went really well, and other times it did not go well. Paul was left beaten uh, in a couple of the cities that he went to that wanted to reject, and uh, but but Paul made it through his missionary journeys. In fact, most of the letters that Paul writes in the New Testament are letters to churches that he planted on his missionary journeys. He would go and start the church, ordain elders in the church, he would get the church up on its feet and he would move on and then he would follow back up. He would hear about things going on in the church or or he would know about things going on in the church and he would write them a letter and send a letter to them and say, "Here are some things I've heard about you and I want to make sure that you are staying doctrinally correct. Colossians is a little bit different. There is no documentation of Paul ever visiting the city of Colossae. Um, It was not one of his stops recorded in his missionary journeys. We believe that Paul learned of This church at Colossae by way of Epaphras, who was a convert of Paul's, um, who started this church at Colossae. So Epaphras would reach out to Paul and say, the church that I'm pastoring, here's what we're struggling with. And Paul responded from prison with this letter. So we don't believe that Paul had, had personally met most of the folks here he was addressing. That would be the reason why Paul does begin this letter a little bit differently Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Wanting to tell people that this was not something I strove for. This was not me trying to put myself up in pride. Hey, listen, I'm an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it was all God. It was God's will. God put me here and introducing himself that way a little bit differently than what he he did in some of his other letters. Even though Paul did not know them personally, he was concerned about what he had heard. They had been influenced by heretical teaching, heresy, false teaching. Okay, and, and, and by the way, uh, heretical and false teaching has been around since the days of Jesus. It was around during the early church age, it was around all throughout the modern church, and it's still around today. And by heretical teaching, I don't mean this I don't mean that we come to a controversial uh, theological uh, uh, wall and I land on this side of the wall and you land on that side of the wall. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about heresy. Uh, listen, there's different different portions of theology that people have been debating now for hundreds and hundreds of years that are never going to get settled. That's not what I'm talking about. This is false teaching. These are things that take away or add to the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are things that take away or add to our worship of, of Jesus and Jesus only. And so Paul was concerned. It wasn't just one type of heretical teaching, but there were many different types. We will see throughout this book that Paul will address many, many misguided doctrines that were prevalent in the church. Grant Osborne wrote a commentary on the book of Colossians, and he points out that the heretical teachings seemed to threaten at least this church and the ones around it for close to 30 years. This was not a guy who came in and preached one sermon to the church that said some things that weren't right that Paul needed to quickly correct. No, this was something that was taking root in the church. This would have an impact on the church for decades. And if I can apply it this way, one of the jobs of the elders and leaders of our church and of churches in general, pastors in general, is to warn the church and protect the church from false teaching. Okay, that is one of the, it's one of them, it's not the main role per se, but it is one of the roles of those who lead spiritually is to make sure that we protect the local church from false teaching. Every now and then I'll have uh, someone reach out to me and say, hey, I started listening to so-and-so, in fact, just a few weeks ago somebody came to me, hey, I started watching so-and-so or listening to so-and-so, can you look this person up and, and make sure that they're doctrinally correct? And I was able to look that person up, read through some of the stuff they believe, watch some of the things and say, yeah, this, this person is good to go. Um, that's part of the role of, 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 of Jeff, of Aaron, myself and others in our church is to make sure that we identify and, and keep out uh, false teaching. Aren't you glad that you have a church that's committed to keeping out false teaching um, and making sure that what we teach is, is Bible? This is one of the reasons, and I know it was tough, uh, it was different and tough, but this is one of the reasons why we spent six weeks in our connect groups unpacking every single book of the Bible and giving you some truths about every single book of the Bible. And I know it was difficult. I know it was different. This is one of the reasons why we did that. Because we want you to feel equipped to say, I don't think that's right. Hey, I'm not quite sure about that. We want you to feel more equipped when you're reading your Bible and you say, oh, that's why we believe that. Okay, I see it right here. We want to equip you in those ways because while it's not the primary role of the leaders in the church or the church itself, one of the roles is to identify and keep out false and heretical teaching. And so Paul's purpose in writing this letter was to address some of those false teachings to convince the Colossian believers that Jesus is enough that they need nothing more they need nothing else but jesus was enough and so just by way of introduction there uh this is to 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 warn us to push us away from false teaching to realize our need is jesus and only jesus even as believers we didn't stop needing jesus when we got saved if you truly got saved you need jesus more today than you ever have okay we need jesus we need jesus Secondly, I want us to see this, the validity of the people. Another way that we, that we believe that Paul had not personally met these folks is that Paul does a very good job. I don't know if you've ever, the, the, he does kind of the sandwich method. You ever heard of the sandwich method? Everything's going great, everything's going great, let me hit you with the problem. And everything's going great, everything's going great. Teachers do that, you know. It's like if your if your kid's teacher ever calls you and they're like, I just want to brag on your kid and I want to be like, all right, go ahead and tell me what you really called about. Like, (laughs) go ahead, let's get this over with. Go ahead and tell me. But Paul a little bit uses that method here. The validity of the people. Let's look at look at the text in Colossians chapter one, beginning in verse four. The very next verse, since we heard of your your faith in Christ, pay attention to that word, and of the love that you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth. The gospel which has come to you. As indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. As it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras our beloved fellow servant. He's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And made known to us your love in the spirit. Epaphras had bragged on this church. Epaphras had not just reached out to Paul and say, here's the problems with this church. No, according to the apostle Paul here, Epaphras had reached out and said, listen, these are some awesome people. These are some good people. These are some faithful people. These people really love Jesus. These people are valid. The validity of the people, these were people of faith. These are people of faith. Uh, Notice what it says in verse 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, these are people of faith. Amen. The church ought to be full of people that are people of faith. People of faith, it doesn't matter what's coming in our direction. It doesn't matter uh, uh, as bleak as the future looks. No, the church should be filled with people that that are willing to take those steps of faith and people of faith. And so I look at it this way, people of faith and then people with love for others. Man, may, may every church in this city, may every church in the state, may every church across our globe be marked by love for other people. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love. Love. This church, the validity of the people in this church, they're people of faith. They were people with love for others and of the love you have for all the saints. But these are people of hope. These are people of hope because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. May I say this? I want to st- There's one more word. We're about to get to it. Okay? But may I say this? Faith, love, and hope. If you want to look at it like a, well, these are four. These are four-legged stools. But if you want to look at it as a three-legged stool, faith, hope, Love, man, that's, that should be the stool that marks the Christian. But what brings that together? What's the cushion? Okay, what connects all of those legs? You know what it is? They were people of truth. People of the true gospel. Look at verse 5. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. So look at it this way. Faith, hope, and love are the legs of a stool, but those legs only function properly when they are attached to the hub and the seat of the truth. This is exactly what Paul was going to be dealing with. Listen, you want to believe the truth, and you understand the gospel, but there are other truths in in this word, there are other truths that you're missing. And if you're not careful, the stool of faith, hope, and love will not be grounded in the truth. And, and and listen to me very closely. When false doctrine creeps in, there's still faith, there's still hope, there's still love. It's just all misplaced. It's all misplaced. That's why you'll find spiritual people with no real relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why you'll find people of faith that operate in the spiritual that have no relationship with Jesus. That's why you'll, you'll find people that love Listen, there are unbelievers this morning who love people. They'll, do, they'll give you the shirt off their back. They'll do anything in the world for you. But they're not attached to the truth. They're not attached to the truth this morning. But these people were valid. When faith, hope, and love are detached from the truth, we open ourselves up to heresies and false teachings even when we are sincere. Even when we're sincere. And may I say this to apply it this morning? Simply because you're a quote-unquote good Christian, simply because you've been in church, simply because you have an academic knowledge of basic truths of God's Word, does not mean that you are immune to false teaching and to heresy. No matter how grounded we are in our faith, we must continue to keep our guard up and be aware of false teaching. Josh, obviously. Well, can I encourage you in this? False teachers don't introduce themselves as such. You don't, you don't open up YouTube and go to a page and listen to a, a, a person speak, and they don't begin their, their, their talk, even their, their Bible talk, by saying, I'm about to give you guys some false doctrine. Let's see if I can dupe you. And honestly, some of those. Some people that maybe do present a false gospel, a prosperity gospel, or whatever you whatever you fill in the blank of whatever they, they put in there, they came to this over the years. They don't even realize that what they're saying is false. Listen, Jesus never promised you health, wealth, and prosperity if you came to him. He never did. In fact, those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall what? Suffer what? Persecution. But these people don't wake up one morning and go, Hey, I'm just going to lie to my people. No, first of all, it deceives them. And then it comes out, and if we're not careful, it can deceive us. It can deceive us. And so we must be very understanding this morning. And we must understand that our faith, that our love, and that our hope must be grounded in the truth. The truth this morning. So we introduced Paul. We introduced the book. We've looked at his validity of the people. They were people of faith, people with love for others, people of hope. And he wants them to stay connected to the truth. Okay, to the truth. And then, thirdly this morning, I want us to see Paul's prayer for Colossae. Paul's prayer for Colossae. Now this is a classic Paul writing. In nearly every letter that Paul writes... In the first chapter of that letter, he will include some sort of prayer. I am praying for you, and not just that he's praying for you, but here are the specific things that I'm praying for you about. By the way, that's that's a good thing. That's a good thing for us to do. Not just, hey Shane, I'm praying for you. But, hey Shane, you shared this morning that work was overwhelming these last few days. man. I've been praying specifically for that part, and I, I, want, I want you to know that. That's what Paul wrote in his letters. It wasn't just like, hey, praying for you guys, talk to you later. It was like, no, I know your needs. I know what I want us, God, I want to see God do in your life. And that's what I'm praying about. So this is Paul's prayer for Colossae. Let's look at verse 9, the very next verse. And so from day from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. So what was he praying about? He was asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Man, Paul prays some specific prayers. He prays about some specific things for these Uh, members of the church there at Colossae. What does he pray about? He begins and he prays about the prayer for understanding God's will. He prays that this church at Colossae would understand when God was leading them and when someone else was leading them. Remember, this is all about guarding the truth. This is all about keeping away false teaching. And so he says, I want you to, this is, these are my words, I want you to recognize the voice of God. I want you to know when it's God's Holy Spirit leading you or when it's your flesh leading you. I want you to know when God, the Holy Spirit, is opening up a door or when the devil is opening up a door of temptation. Anybody ever been there? God, I have an opportunity in front of me and I don't know if this is your Holy Spirit opening up this door or this is the devil trying to get me to walk and I've been there before. God, I need to know, is this you? Is this you or is this a temptation? Hey, is this a, a test from the Lord or is this a temptation from the devil? And so Paul prays That they would understand God's will. May I say this? I pray for every person that is connected to Keystone Church. For every person that ever walks through those doors one time. I pray that you can discern and rightfully discern God leading in your life. I pray that when that job opportunity comes around or when that opportunity to do this or that comes around and maybe neither one of those things are wrong, I pray that the God's Holy Spirit makes His will very clear to you and He leads you down that path and you're at peace. I pray that you, that as you parent your children and you raise your kids and then you have decisions and choices to make for your children, I pray that you're able to discern God's will for your kids and for your family. I pray that every person in this church has an understanding of God's will. May I say it this way in a quote of encouragement? The more you follow the leading of the Spirit, the easier it becomes to discern when it's not the leading of the Spirit. Right now, can you hear your mom's voice? Everybody, let's let's be quiet real quick. Can you hear your mom's voice or your dad's voice? Let's be quiet. I can hear both of my parents' voice in my head. You know why? Because I listened to them for 18 years. They wouldn't shut up. I tried to get them to. Every time I said that, I got in trouble. But, uh, no, their voice, right? I recognize their voice. You ever gotten a phone call from a number that you didn't recognize? but it was one of your f- close friends or family members that was like using someone else's phone, and you answer the phone you say hello, and you re- immediately you recognize their voice? You know why? Because you've been listening to it. You've been listening to it. And may I say that the more that we listen to the Holy Spirit, the more that we follow His guiding and His will, the more we'll be able to discern when that's not it. That's not it. Uh, this is a classic illustration that I've heard way too many pastors use. But uh, it, when, when they're trying to help people uh, that work in, in the finance world, that deal with cash, how do they get them to understand what a fake dollar bill is? you know how they do that? They give them hundreds and hundreds of real dollar bills to handle. You know why? If you know what a real one feels like, then you'll know what a fake one feels like. Okay? We got some bank people up in here. Y'all know. I tried to sneak that counterfeit one through the other day. It wouldn't go. But uh, No, it's handling real money, and you understand what fake money feels like. Well, may I say this? Following the leading of the Holy Spirit will help you identify when it's not the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Paul's prayer was that they would understand God's will. But he didn't stop there. We're not going to spend that much time on each of these. But he prayed secondly for them, uh, prayer for pleasing the Lord. They would walk in a way that was pleasing to the Lord. Now, we understand our standing. We don't have to please the Lord in our standing. Who pleased the Lord for us? Jesus. Jesus pleased God for us by dying on the cross in our place. But as we live out our daily lives, we want to live a life that's worthy of that. That's offering thanksgiving and praise. And we want to live a life uh, that's pleasing to the Lord because of what He's done in our lives. And He prays that over them, that you would, that you would live a life that's pleasing to the Lord and What does that look like? Third prayer, a prayer for fruitful work. I pray that what you set your hand to is successful. I pray that when you have an outreach uh, opportunity in the church, I pray that it's successful. Man, I had a crazy outreach opportunity last night. I was sharing this with Lynn, one of my police officer buddies. Um, I got a text message from somebody doesn't go to our church. got a text message from somebody that said, hey, there's a family in need of food today, tonight. I said, okay. They said, do you know of any food pantries? I said, no, a couple of food pantries, but I doubt they're open on Saturday evening. I said, I'm not, I won't let a family go hungry. I said, let me know. I'm going to run a grocery store. So about 7.30, 7.45, I get to the grocery store. Had to get some stuff for our family and then made a separate little box there and got some groceries for our family. And I was given an address. I didn't really look through the address that much. And it's about 8.30 and I'm pulling up and I realized that I am in McDougal Terrace. At 8.30 at night. And um, I pray that I'm fruitful in every good work. I dropped that food off. I was so, I was like, hey, here you go. I'm praying for you. Thank you so much. And as soon as they turned their head, I was like, boom, in the car. And I was gone. But I pray I was not wearing these Jordans at the time. That was probably the best move on my part. I had on some hey dudes, you know. Driving a Subaru, man, leave me alone. But every time that we reach out, you know what I pray? I pray that that person was blessed. And I pray that 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 single mom got that food and her family had a nice meal last night. I pray that every time we have an opportunity, God blesses it. I pray that every time you follow the leading of the Spirit and you do something for somebody, I pray that that person is blessed. And I know this, I know you lived pleasing to the Lord in that moment. I know that. I know that. Prayer for for fruitful work. And then he finishes out with prayer for supernatural power. He says, being strengthened with all power, according not to your might, but according to His glorious might. He prays that God would work in them with supernatural power and that God would move in their church and that things would happen in their church where people would say, that is God. That's not anything man could create, that is God. And I pray that for our church this morning, that things would happen in our church, that we would look back and say, there's no way that we could have manufactured that on our own. There's no way we could have put together a strategy on our own. This week, our leadership families are going to be able are going to Atlanta for a church leadership conference, a kids ministry, student ministry, and then head leadership conference this uh, this week in Atlanta. By the way, praise the Lord! Had a friend reach out, hooked us up with some Braves tickets. Um, while we're there, so man, the Lord is good. But here's the thing: we're gonna we're gonna talk, we're gonna plan, we're gonna dream a little bit about what the future of our church could look like. But at the end of the day. Anything that happens in this church is not because me, Jeff, Aaron, and Tim and our wives got away and we had a little planning session and we were going to do this strategically and that. If anything happens in this church, it is, it is God and God alone. And we want to see things happen in our church where no one else can get the praise. No one else can get the glory. All glory to God. These, this is my prayer for our church. This is my prayer for each of you. I love you and your families. I love the kids that, that are in our church. I love the older people in our church. I love every person in our church. And I desperately want you to under, to, to, I, I want these things for you to understand God's will. To live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. For your work to be beneficial and fruitful. And for you to have supernatural power in life. Period. We'll close this morning with what I said the beginning two chapters of the book of Colossians is going to do. And so it's the perfect way to close out our sermon today. A reminder of our standing. A reminder of our standing. Paul wants to remind these Christians and these believers here in the city of Colossae. He wants to remind them of who they are. And he says in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. I simply want to say in conclusion today, Jesus is... Enough. And because Jesus is enough, Paul says, we share in the inheritance of the saints. And what is that inheritance? It's twofold. First of all, it removes our identity as a sinner. If you are in Christ and you are a believer today, you are no longer a sinner. You're standing, you are a saint. You might not feel like it. You might not want people to call you, you know, St. Stephen, St. Brian. Sorry, Lord. Don't, don't strike me dead. Uh, no. You may not feel like it, but you're standing in Christ. The inheritance you have received is you're no longer a sinner. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're a saint. But not it's twofold. It's not just that. It's that we share in their inheritance. And what is that? That is that the inevitable will happen to every single one of us as it happened to one of my good friends uh, this week, his father uh, passed away. And it will happen to all of us that one day we will leave this earth and we will enter into the next. And because Jesus is enough, we share in that inheritance, the eternal inheritance. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Our eternal inheritance with Jesus in heaven for all eternity. Because Jesus is enough, we share in the inheritance of the saints. Because Jesus is enough, we are delivered from the bondage of the darkness. Make no mistake about it, There is a spiritual war that is waged on a daily basis, minute by minute, second by second. There are forces of evil and darkness who do not want to see the will of God accomplished in this world. There are forces of darkness that don't want to see your marriage make it. There are forces of darkness that don't want to see your relationship restored. There are forces of darkness that don't want to see God grow His church. And they're fighting against good. And they're fighting against right. And they're fighting against the truth. And you know what he says? You know what Paul says? Paul says, because Jesus is enough, we are delivered from the bondage of the darkness. We are no longer controlled by sin. We are no longer, the Bible calls it this, we're no longer slaves to sin. We sing it sometimes, I'm no longer a slave to fear. But I think we changed it the last time we sang it. no longer a slave to sin. And then we messed it up a couple times, but it's all good. I'm a child of God. Paul says, hey, there's a spiritual war going on, but I want to remind you, the darkness has no power over you. The darkness only has the power over you that you give it. Paul very clearly says he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness. Sin and darkness no longer have dominion over you. It only has what you give it. It only has what you give it. You may say, Josh, I'm a believer in Jesus. I love Jesus. I know know that I know that I know that I'm a follower of Jesus. But I'm enslaved and entangled in sin. May I say to you this morning... You have given the devil that part of your life. He cannot take it. You have given it. And through the God's power and through his Holy Spirit, this morning may we understand that the darkness no longer has control or dominion in our lives. It can no longer bind us, for we have been freed in Christ. And then lastly this morning, because Jesus is enough... We have have been given citizenship in the kingdom of God. Because Jesus is enough, we have citizenship in the kingdom of God. He says this, he's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to to the kingdom of his beloved son. I love how Paul bookends this. We're saints, inheritance. And then he finishes it with, we, have the kingdom, we are transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. Because Jesus is enough, we will receive all the benefits of the kingdom. And two of them he mentions, redemption and forgiveness. There's a lot today, right? We introduced the book of Colossians. And I think you can see now, my main points could have all been a sermon. Okay? But we did get through 14 verses in one week, so... Thank me later. All right? Thank me in like 10 weeks. All right? Um, But what do I want us to see this morning? We'll refer back to faith, hope, and love and how it needs to be grounded in the truth. We'll refer back to that. Yeah, Paul prayed for the people. We'll refer back to that. What did Paul want these people to understand? But what do I want to... What do I want to leave you with today? What do I want you to understand today? I want us to understand that the title of this series was chosen carefully. And the title of this series, Jesus is Enough, is very purposeful. He's sufficient. He reigns above all. He is the Lord of everything. He is enough. And what I want you to understand today is that because He is enough... That you are a saint. And you share in the inheritance of the saints. You look around. These are your brothers and your sisters. You do not hold greater value than another or lesser value than another. Today we share in the inheritance of the saints. We are sons and daughters of God. No longer sinners. Because Jesus is enough. I want you to remember today that you have been delivered from the bondage of darkness. You've been delivered. You no longer have to live under the weight of your sin this morning. Jesus paid it all. All. Past, present, and future. And because Jesus is enough, we have citizenship in the kingdom of God. We are operating in his kingdom, we will operate in his kingdom forever. Citizenship, a rightful place. Not in our pride, not because of what we do, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We can step through that door as a citizen of the kingdom of God. That's encouraging today. That's encouraging. Can you say this with me this morning that Jesus is enough? Say it with me. Ready? Jesus is enough. We're going we're to repeat this and repeat this and repeat this. I'm encouraged this morning. In this fact, we will never grow deeper than Jesus. I've had people say to me before, not since I've played in the church, but I've had people say in the past in ministry, oh, he just preaches Jesus all the time. I'm sorry. You can never go deeper than Jesus. Jesus is connected to everything else that we believe. And as you grow in your Christian life, just understand this. You may understand this portion of doctrine or this teaching a little bit better, but that's really a greater understanding of Jesus. Jesus is sufficient, Jesus is enough. And yeah, I want to be a better husband, I want to be a better father. I must understand the way for me to be a better husband and the way for me to be a better father is to grow deeper in Jesus. I want to be a better pastor. I want to lead our church better. There are things I want to do better that I fail at. But I must understand I must grow deeper in Jesus. As I grow deeper in Him, He is enough. He will satisfy. I pray that for you today that we understand that Jesus is enough. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystone If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.